Hello again, and welcome to Chat, Grapple and Cheap Pops with myself, JB, and my good friend, Chris Dredd. Yo, what's happening? Uh, firstly, we want to thank everyone that watched, subscribed, you know, listened, had fun, laughed along. Even if you didn't like it, you know, we're just glad everyone watched it and had fun with it. 100%. It was a little it was definitely overwhelming, the response that we've had for our first episode. Thanks, everyone. No, honestly, it's it's been great. Everyone that I've spoken to that uh, listened to it, wrestling fans um, have said that they really enjoyed it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, no, definitely happy with that. And we, we're going to smack number two out of the park now as well. That's it, number two. Um, this one is this one is a fun one. And it represents a lot of what we enjoy most, which is early 90s WCW. Yeah, baby. Uh, Beach Blast 93. It's a a bit of a crossroads for WCW at the time. Not necessarily winning any wars. You know, just changing their executive producer, starting over. And you can tell at times that they are starting over, trying to make things fresh, trying to keep things new. But I like this event. You know, it has its moments. Chris, its, you enjoy it? I, I enjoyed it massively. There's one match that really stood out for me uh, that I really enjoyed. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of this era of WCW. It was definitely a transition period. Um, they're trying to kind of step away from the older style, um, you know, and trying to refresh it. Like you say, they were trying to bring some new bits and bobs in, some new talent. Um, yeah, uh, uh, re- really enjoyed the event. But like I say, there is one match that just stood out for me. Uh, but yeah, we'll get to that. And I shall let you know when it is that we talk about that match. Uh, we're going to set a small scene. It's July 18th, 1993. It's, you know, again, a bit of a weird time for WCW. Ric Flair is back. He's only had on television one match at the Clash of the Champions. He, you know, returned after leaving WWF, had a couple of runs as champion, did really well. It was a bit of a boost for WCW at the time. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big night. It's definitely a big night. Um, I watched the network version, um, which is tend- we, it's tend to be a bit of a thing. We're going to start it. It seems like it's going to be the way we do things. And I've got a bone to pick with Turner, okay? I've got a massive bone to pick with Turner, right? This is the VHS, as you can see, right? Turner Home Video, right? Turner Home Inter- Entertainment. You've, you've, you've screwed me, dude. You screwed me. I know Brett screwed Brett. But Turner screwed Chris Dredd, right? Because, dude, JB, how long was your Beach Blast 93 on the network, fam? On the network is two hours and 50 minutes long. Two hours and 50 minutes, yeah? A whole hour more than what I got on this VHS, as you can see on the bottom of the screen, approximately 118 minutes, right? So, bro, tell them what... Turner screwed me out of, please, on this. And obviously, I'll watch the network version. But this is what we're doing. It is becoming a bit of a theme. Um, 
I'll watch the VHS version. Jordan will probably watch the network version, and we will compare. And today I'm not happy. All right, Turner, <laughs> you goddamn son of a bitch. You screwed Uncle, me, goddammit. Uncle it. Ted has let you down. He's let me down massively. I feel screwed, man. Screwed. So, I'm going to have to start us off because it's network version. And Eric Bischoff and Missy Hyatt open the show. We're in we're in Biloxi, Mississippi. Indeed. It's, it doesn't sound like a big town. It just, it doesn't have that big town feel like it would like a, like especially WCW, like a Carolina or an Atlanta or something like that. But it is, it's what it is. You yep. know, yep. we're not going to get mad about that. Um, why is Tony Schiavone dressed like a jackass in this? And why has he got an orange nose of which um, Jesse the Body Ventura keeps taking the piss out oh, of Oh, Jesse lets him have it. All and, the time. I mean, Jesse's hanging at the beach shack at the start with the ladies. Did you get that bit? Yes, I did. Um, yeah. he, he, he comes, he comes, uh, the bit that it started for me was when you had Missy Hyatt and... Um, Eric Bischoff and Eric Bischoff is staring at Missy Hyatt when she's talking like he's just undressing her with his eyes and that he just wants to like do whatever with her. He's just enamored by her basically standing next to her. And then, yeah, it, it got to the beach babes where you had Jesse, the body Ventura walking down to the ring with four of them. And he says something like, uh, we'll come down here now for the show and then we can get back to whatever it was we were doing before we started this. And I won't tell you what it was we were doing. Uh, some, something to that effect. Oh, they were having they were having a blast, weren't they? Oh, mate. And to be honest, let me say quickly as well, the set was amazing. The, the set, absolutely incredible. Sand as far as the eye could see. Deck chairs, um, beach balls, you know what I mean? Uh, shacks. Palm trees, the lot. Great, amazing. They open this show on, you know, on the network with TV title match. It's Ron Simmons against Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Simmons, former world champion the year before, beat Vader, lost it back to Vader. You know, he's a he's clearly a stud. He's you know, they retired his jersey at the University of Florida State. He's, you know, he's a big-time player. And, you know, he's wrestling for the TV title. I'm not sure I get it. I'm not, you know, Mr. Wonderful. I've got some questions about Mr. Wonderful. Yeah. For me, he's quintessentially 80s. Yep. That's not a bad thing because we love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But... He's in a really prominent role in nineteen ninety in mid nineteen ninety three in a big company. And I didn't I'm not sure I quite understand it. They I mean I they mean, even yeah, get good heat. They were they but, were still pushing him, bro. They were still pushing him into ninety five, ninety six, bro. Orndorf was still in WCW ninety five, ninety six when they had him uh, they had the guy from because he was a bit down on his luck. The storyline was he was down oh, on his yeah, luck. Yeah, the geezer from the hotline or the something. The geezer from the psychic hotline with the big oh, white afro thing. And he said to him, oh, you know, you're wonderful and all this. And then he had that, that they're calling Mr. Wonderful, that new song and all that. And then the Four Horsemen, because of um, what happened with uh, 
Brian Pillman. Brian Pillman was giving it all that to about Orndorff, and then you know he said, "Oh, I respect you, Flair. I respect you, blah." And they ended up, you know, smashing, pile driving him on the concrete, mashing up his neck. And this was '96, dude. So they're still pushing Orndorff, yeah. and you know, Orndorff had a couple of matches, which makes me think late '95, early '96. He didn't look comfortable in the ring. He didn't look he didn't look like he was a hundred percent. And I think he already had injuries to his neck and whatever, because he, he he had one match. I can't remember who it was. It was a squash. And um he, he, he just didn't look comfortable. He didn't look happy. Um and yeah, or like you say, Orndorf quintessentially eighties. Um we're coming in early nineties, things are changing um and yeah like you say he's they're they're still giving him that push well you think he's i mean he's prominent in survivor series in you know from episode one shout out to episode one yeah yeah <laughs> he's very he's in the main event of episode one which is 1987 six, six years away six from years this. later yeah. it's it's a lot and television champion i think there's there's better uses but that's that's by the by it's it's a very disjointed match. It's not great. It's not, you know, it's it's a little bit hit and miss. And then WCW, the rule that inflamed everyone at the time, Simmons gets DQ'd for throwing Orndorff over the top rope. Yeah. What an what an awful way to end it. And and let me just let me just say, it is not the last shit finish that you will see on this pay per view either. Because it, it it's not. There, there's a few. There's a few out of out of the matches that I've seen. There was at least three shit finishes, um, or disappointing finishes, shall I say? Okay. Um. um yeah, we'll we'll definitely get to them. That over the top rule DQ. It's like they. It was really inconsistent. Yeah. They weren't using it in every match. It was like, but they used it to to end this one, and. It wasn't great. It was just, you know, it was a maybe, maybe they maybe it was probably better that they kept it off of your VHS. Well, it, it was that good, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll, we'll skip. We'll skip on now. Um, two Cole Scorpio and Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Bagwell looks like a star. Not quite there in the ring yet. Looks great. Him and Tuchel come out and they're dancing. Tuchel looks very comfortable with the dancing. Bagwell does not. He's an American. He's not an American male yet, bro. He's not an American no, male yet. Allow he's, him. He's not got to wearing, that pinnacle yet. Uh, they take on the. I don't not sure if they had a name. They just they were referred to as the Texans. It was or the Texicans. It was Tex Slazenger yep. and Shanghai Pierce, who okay. would become the Godwins. Yeah. In '95, I think it is. Yeah. In the WWF, and they they came out to the most ridiculous cowboy music. I mean, I don't, I couldn't, I don't think I could convey over a video how silly this music was. It was like, it was really bad. But again, makes you laugh, makes you chuckle, and brings me to my first. It's the first cheap pop of the podcast. Oh, nice! Bagwell shouts Biloxi at the top of his lungs to get a big cheer. Nice. Um, <laughs> That's how you do it, man. I was impressed. I was like, you know, the, the two guys were, um, Slazenger and Pierce were shouting Texas and throwing up the horns and stuff. And 
do all that. And then out of nowhere, Bagwell shouts, Bill Oxy. Like, I was like, wow, where Good did work. that come from? Good work, man. Great work. Um, there's only one star in this show and it in this match, and it's Scorpio. Um, there is a moment that's a bit dangerous. He gets a backdrop, which he almost gets backdropped into the ropes. Like, it's a little bit, a little okay. bit squirmy. Um, as an excellent drop kick. You know, always did have I one. love Too Cold, man. I, I, I love Too Cold. Um, great, great talent. Could have been, could have been pushed a bit more wherever he was, I thought. Um, WWF didn't really use him. I didn't like the whole Flash Funk um, yeah. thing going on. But a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. Um, you know, in ECW, he had some bloody cracking matches. Um, he was in ECW, wasn't he a tag team champion with Sandman? At one point, uh, possibly. Um, I. They had woman. My, my ECW recollections aren't as brilliant as yours. Yeah, they had woman but... as a valet, um, or or no, was it woman? No, it wasn't. It was Missy Hyatt. They had Missy Hyatt as a valet, and I tell you, I tell you what it was. It was I might because I watched it recently. I've got a sta- right right by me. I've got a, like a pile of these VHSs and that and DVDs that I've been watching recently. And on an ECW one recent ah matter of respect ninety six. So you've got Missy Hyatt at this time nineteen ninety three, blonde hair, proper curly. Um, oh, she's she's put together. By the time it gets to ninety six, mate. She looks like an absolute state. Like it is oh. in three years' time. Matter of respect to '96, where you've got um a three-way dance for the ECW title, and you had um the Sandman with Missy Hyatt and Two Cold Scorpio. So they came down to the ring with him, and um yeah, she looked like a bit of a tramp then. In, and I, mean, I don't I don't know the story of Missy that well. I obviously we know that she's here in WCW in '93. Yeah. I don't know where it fell off for her. I don't know what happened. I'm sure that she's got shoot shoot interviews out there. She but... aged. She aged in that three years. I'm telling you, from '93 to '96, Jesus, it looks like a different different mm. woman. I'm telling you, crazy. Watch if you can. Is there any ECW on the network? Old old ECW. Yes. Yes, all of them. Uh, there's a lot I couldn't I tell you. I haven't looked, man. I haven't looked. Have a stuff. look if Matter of Respect '96 is on there. If not, I've got the DVD and the VHS, we'll so I'll lend you. Yeah. Um. Check check it out. It is, I would say, one of the most nuts. Is the one of the most nuts ECW events you will ever watch. You've got Blue Meanie and Stevie Richards, um, coming down as the Blue Boy. Um, so Blue Meanie is like Shawn Michaels and he comes down oh, with these yeah. like, it's incredible dude, it's absolutely incredible, he comes down with like the Shawn Michaels zip off uh, trouser things and Stevie Richards like takes off his he, he takes <laughs> like denim like <laughs> denim like Daisy Dukes and he like takes them off and he's like spinning them around and he keeps letting them go into the crowd he's like, <gasps> and he's like, has to grab them and put them back on and everything, it is 
this whole event is absolutely incredible. Absolutely nuts. Um, you, it, it's incredible. Matter of respect, 96. Just a quick veering off because we're talking about Missy Hyatt. She's in it. But really great ECW event. Watch that, guys, as well, if you can. Um, it is just absolutely... And because you, you've got Sabu versus Rob Van Dam. You've got Shane Douglas versus Two Cold Scorpio. You've got Chris Jericho versus Mikey Whipwreck. You've got incredible matches on there. Absolutely incredible matches. Um, so, yeah, matter of respect, 96. Sorry. But, yeah, Missy Hyatt, different woman from 93 to 96. Please, trust me. Back to Too Cold. He, too Cold, yeah. He, he lands the biggest, like, just a standard splash from the top rope and gets a two count. Like, this could have easily finished the match. It could have been brilliant. But then, a couple of seconds later, he does the 450. And, you know, that's the end of it. It's, yeah. you know, the Godwins, or the future Godwins, look, looked all right. You know, they obviously they get a bit of a bigger break in uh, in the WWF. You know, I'm I'm not going to count naked Midian or nothing like that. No, no, no. You know, the, the, the future Godwins look okay and they, you know, probably should have deserved a bit better here in WCW when there wasn't that many teams around. Um, Missy, back to Missy, she has a quick interview with Orndorff and the Equalizer. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, Orndorff calls himself the John Wayne of professional wrestling. Okay. Um, Not really why is sure that? Because what that means. Because he's got like 20 pounds of impacted feces inside him. Or... I'm not sure. Apparently John, really... Wayne, John Wayne died with a load of impacted feces in him still. I'm really not sure why he decides to call himself the John Wayne of professional wrestling. And he also has the cheek to call Steamboat old man. Okay. He was calling out Ricky Steamboat. He calls him old man like a couple of times and saying he's got grey hair and all this. And it's like, like, come on. Like, this, is, this isn't the promo for you, man. No, man. <laughs> if anything, he's the old man. Uh, it's we got another we got another like this this could have been a dark match for all I know it probably should have been Eric Watts you know whose dad is no longer in charge of the company yeah you always felt he was going to lose whoever he was up against yeah uh, against one of our favourites Lord Stephen Regal one of the greatest talents in wrestling history Stephen Regal hundred percent hundred percent with Sir William. Okay, and it's Jesse has a has what it's not many Jesse quips in here tonight or in this one, and he says coming from the white cliffs of Dover to the beach of Biloxi must be a come down. Oh, beautiful! I can imagine he's right. Beautiful. Um, this match is pretty technical. Yeah, it you know, and it looks like Regal's just teaching him a good, valuable technical lesson. Yeah, yeah. Somehow. Watts gets regal in the STF. So William comes up with the most hilarious slap, just slaps him in the face. Like Watts chases after Sir William. Regal rolls him up, gets a win, holding the tights. That's it. Done and dust. Of course, he, of course he's holding there. the tights. Of course he is. Yeah. He, he shouldn't need to. It's Eric Watts. But got to keep that uh, heel face up. Yeah. Um, quick promo for Full Brawl, which is coming in the. September and war games, no participants yet. They're just saying when it is. Yeah. 
Yes, he interviews Regal afterwards. Um, Regal offers out Paul Orndorff. I don't know where they're going with all of this. Like, it's just it seems really like mix and match. Like to be honest, there there was a time, even even up to ninety five before pre NWO. Um, WCW and went just as Nitro started they were still very like you got matches like one one week you had um you know someone was wrestling for the title one week and then next week they'll just be wrestling some random like Macho Man Randy Savage like you know every week he was just wrestling three times a week against yeah um, you know, he was wrestling three times a week against like one for the title and then two nobodies really that was really going nowhere in the story. And it was like you say, that sometimes they just were making these matches that didn't really um, make much sense. I, I just found it strange that Orndorff would call out Steamboat and possibly even start a feud. It's pay-per-view. It's technically live. Yeah. And then straight after that, Regal calls out Orndorff. It's like, well, who's feuding who here? Like, who's... Yeah. Um, Regal then quotes Churchill and leaves, like because every British person ever quotes Churchill. Yeah, of course I do. Of course I do. Yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, I'm surprised I didn't have Bulldog doing it in the main event, but you know, uh, did I did ask, but I don't, I'm not sure. I remember, did you have Max Payne and Johnny B. Bad in the next match? That that was the first match on the VHS. So. Um, yeah, the first match on the VHS was uh, Max Payne uh, with Norma Jean. Norma Jean. His guitar. Um, and you had uh, oh, fucking Shivani, man. There's a, <laughs> there's a, there's a great bit. <laughs> it's, it's almost the last moment of this pay-per-view, which is absolute gold. And I won't spoil it yet, but it is involving Vader and Shivani. And it is just absolute gold. Um, but Shivani, I, I have this bit written down. <laughs> it's like um, uh, he, he says something about oh, you know, he's probably going to get some. Hopefully, he'll get some sand in the in the circuit boards of that guitar and all that. And it's like, who's supposed to be the heel commentator and whatever? Yeah. You know, like you know, it's um, I actually I like Max Payne. I thought he was an act- actually really good worker, good yeah, wrestler. Absolutely. Good technical wrestler. He had some really, really good uh, moves. Uh, he would do this suplex where he locks the arm, like a locked arm suplex thing. Looked really, really great. Um, really knew how to work with people. Um, Johnny B. Bad. Uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, Max Payne comes down to the ring, legitimately playing the guitar. Um, that yeah, is not, you know, he's yeah, legitimately uh, playing the guitar. Um, isn't a Van Hammer thing. Yeah, it's um, yeah. Let's not talk about the beast either. Not not yet. Not yet. Um. So yeah, I mean, legitimately playing the guitar. I I think it's a great gimmick coming down with a guitar, playing it really well. I think it's great. He looked great. He was absolutely huge. I just but... find it weird that they would have him as a heel playing a guitar. Like, I understand that you know they let Elias talk and he would do his heelish things like all the time in the ring. Max Payne wasn't talking a lot. He wasn't hardly talking at all. You can't figure out that he's a heel just by letting him play the guitar. That doesn't... And, doesn't and letting work. him wear a black black T-shirt with 666 yeah. written on it or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, 
Um, he, I, I think they were going because I mean at this time, nineteen ninety three. You know, you still you still had people like Nirvana and that about, was it? You know, there was kind of, and he was like the more heavier, darker metal maybe. So maybe they were just hoping that that would sell itself, um, possibly. And then you had like the antithesis of Max Payne in Johnny B. Bad and what my man was wearing. Are you referring to the mask or to the whole outfit? Um, well... The whole lot, really. Um, the mask was stupid because uh, what had happened before, wasn't it? He yeah, backstory. He, he, the backstory was because Johnny B. Bad used to come down with his little pump gun that would shoot out the bad blaster. The bad blaster, right? So the story was that Max Payne had smacked him in the face. Jesse Jesse Ventura said. Yeah, he took his bad blaster and then gave it back to him in the worst way uh, and basically meant he smacked him in the face. Um, so when he says, and that's why he's wearing a mask. So you think, right, OK, it's one of either two things. It's either a padded mask, right, to protect him or it's to cover up like some crazy bruises or something like yeah. that. The bloody mask has got eye holes like this and like a mouth hole like that. So it looks like a pair of underpants has just been pulled over his head. Um <laughs> They were cutting costs in yeah. WCW at this time. You know? Unbelievable. They're Who spending knows? like thousands of dollars on the bloody set, but they're scrimping on a mask for Johnny B. Bad. I mean, it, it's uh, incredible. <laughs> now, Mark Merrow is clearly really charismatic. He's, you know, doing everything he can to get this gimmick over. It was over to a point, you know, Johnny B. Bad. It was, you know, everyone knows, anyone who watches WCW at that point knows who he is. Um, but he, he's hamstrung by this gimmick. Just let his own charisma do the work. Well, I mean, he, you know what was funny? He's called Johnny B. Bad, which isn't a Little Richard song, but he looks like Little Richard, and that's the kind of gimmick. So even in the song I've written down, in, in the song it says, he looks like Little Richard in his song. Yeah, we can see that he looks like Little Richard. Yeah. He's got the little tash and everything, the bloody hair. The lot. We know this. You don't need to sell it to us in the, in the song. But, um, yeah, it, I mean, I think he, he was trying too hard as well with it, personally. Um, but, yeah, it, I mean, what, who do you prefer, Mark Miro? Yeah, Mark Miro as, in, as himself was, was charismatic enough to carry, you know, they, I mean, they didn't have to give him Johnny B. Bad. It was it was, you know, again, it was a time where cartoony characters were all the rage and, you know. To be fair, he was Johnny B. Bad in in 93. Even coming through 95, 96, he came a long way as a wrestler as well in, in, yeah. in the next, in the following years to this. Because th this match is, for me, a poor finish, a really poor finish. Um, um, just a quick mention, the camera work is screwy as well because they miss a dive over the yes, top they rope. Yes, do. Dude, I've got that written as well. They miss a dive over the over the top rope, but the, I think that was a botch as well because uh, uh, Max Payne's on the floor up against the rail and he hadn't even got up yet and Johnny B. Bad, I don't know if we, we can't see the cat because due to the camera yeah, work. Never see him coming. We never see him coming and then literally you just see him just fly into the yeah. screen and just smash into him on the floor and it's like you, that was terrible. Um, 
where he jumped over the rope, but you you couldn't see, you couldn't see it. I've just got dumb written here, like cameraman dumb. Um, I've I've, I've uh, sadly got not a great finish slash crossbody yeah, flying crossbody, and that's it. And it's absolutely like, poor. It's a little bit underwhelming. It, and what is not, it's not selling Max Payne either, because he can be beaten with a crossbody. Um, you know, he should have had to. Johnny B. Bad should have had to really been bat, you know, laying it in. Um, which is a shame. But I mean, Johnny B. Bad, Mark Mero, like I say, in in the next few years past this, he had some absolutely fantastic matches. Um, really, really brilliant stuff coming up to the Nitro years. Um, and on Nitro, he had some fantastic matches around ninety-five, ninety-six. I'm just gonna add, like in the in episode one, we're not gonna talk about it a lot. We talk about how well crowds reacted to certain things. And up until this point in the show, I've got nothing. The fans don't seem to be that bothered. Yeah. It, Bit dead. You know, they don't seem to be that, like, there's no massive pop. Nobody, the, the most over person so far is Jesse. <laughs> and and this, this all changes in the next, like, next match. But it's not a great crowd. And that can uh, that can make your make a match seem way longer than it needs to. It just you know it doesn't I think, help. I think a lot of the matches seemed longer than they needed to be on this card. To be honest, um, like I say, I wasn't I wasn't overly. I like the pay per view. Beach Blast '93 had a lot of good, great faces. Yeah. Um, people that I like to see wrestle. Um, but it was just maybe the matches just weren't. Like I say, there's one match that really stood out to me. Um, and it is. The match after the Max Payne Johnny B Bad um, match following this one. So yeah, um, you said about the finish in this one. It was who won it was uh, obviously Johnny B Bad. Yeah, I can't imagine Max Payne doing many flying cross bodies. No, but uh, yeah, it's it's not a great finish, and you know it's a shame because they'd already missed they missed that dive from Johnny B Bad, and like it's just. Yeah. Yeah, it just seemed like they, they messed up a few bits here and there. and But we move on. We move on to the tag title match. Hollywood Blondes going in as champions against Arn Anderson and Paul Roman from the Horsemen. Yeah. Now, Horsemen are going to get a great reaction anywhere they go in this in this time, in this area. And poor Paul Roman looks a little uncomfortable in the entrance. Yeah, you can you can see Anderson can... knows. Yeah, he knows he's playing babyface tonight. He's doing what he can. Yeah, you know, Roma looks a little bit confused. You can see him chatting. You can see, and this is one of my points that I've got written down here as well. Um, what one of my notes is just says what a match, um, because I thought it was an absolute fantastic match, but it is a little bit confusing because you've got. Two of the four horsemen, possibly the biggest heel faction in wrestling, you know, at, at, at yeah, some time, um, going up against the Hollywood Blondes, who out-heeled the four horsemen, you know, or two of the horsemen. Um, and that is to Pillman and um, Stunning Steve Austin's credit. Really, stunning Steve, yeah, stunning Steve, baby. I, I mean, I love the Hollywood Blondes. I, I mean, I love the Four Horsemen, um, <clears throat> and the the different iterations that they've had over the years. But I, I absolutely love the Hollywood Blondes, man. Um, 
you, you can't knock them as a tag team. They worked there's, phenomenal there's in this match. There's a bit early on in this match where Pillman, after Austin takes a takes a punch, he kisses him. He rolls up to the kisses him, and <laughs> I hate it. It's <laughs> absolutely it's so good. It. I've got that on but, here as well. It's clearly a different time in Mississippi. <laughs> they absolutely despise a man kissing another man. It's, but that's what got the crowd heated as well, dude, yeah. because it was outside of the ring. Right, like He's checking his face and he's like, oh, man, and he just grabs it and just kisses his head like where he got punched on the face. Oh, dude. It's incredible. Absolute gold from Pillman. They and would I've have got... known how to get that heat as well. But in the beginning of the match, right, they're... Um, before anything's all started, you've got Roma and you've got Arn Anderson in the ring. And then you've got, you know, Steve Austin's in the ring and he's doing bits and around. And Pillman's just looking at the crowd, trying to pick someone out, right? And trying he, to pick and he, his mark. He finds yeah. someone, yeah? Trying to find the mark. And he finds him, yeah? And he gets out to the ring. and then, But you can kind of see him say to Steve, I'm going out here, right? And then he jumps off the apron, goes straight to this guy in the crowd and just starts getting in his face and shouting. And then the guy in the crowd's going, four horsemen, baby, four horsemen, baby. Yeah, the geezer in the hat. Yeah, it's so, yeah, the guy with the hat and the little moustache and that. And then Stone Cold Steve Austin, well, stunning Steve, gets out and he's like holding him back, you know, because he's going to attack the crowd. And it was probably five minutes before they did any wrestling. Any, Um, yeah, any work. It was just building up that. You know, unbelievable. Like I say, uh, the Hollywood Blondes, probably one of my favourite tag teams of all time. Um, they worked absolutely amazingly in, in, in this match together. That The wrestling side of it was just a heel masterclass of... Well, it's, it's funny. It's in my notes. It says vicious heel technician. Unbelievable. Stunning Steve Austin. Yep. It's a thing of beauty. It's excellent. Even little things like he would he would tag Pillman in, but still have his foot and his leg on yeah. the head of the person in the ring, and then give the really tag good. and still be dragging his shin across his head and stuff. It just it honestly anyone who is the a little, wrestler, it's the little touches. It's them little touches, and it is an absolute heel masterclass. This match. If anyone's a worker and wrestling right now. Watch this match, Pillman and Stunning Steve Austin. Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. Arn, as the veteran face, I think is brilliant. Yep. I think Arn does really well here. He, you know, he's done done this a thousand times before. Yeah. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's really good at this. Um, I don't know about you, but I've got Pillman down as the workhorse in this match. Pillman. He, Pillman is the workhorse. He puts himself a, about a bit, but I think Austin's still up there with him as well. I, I, I um, I think it was fairly even, but there was a few. Yeah, that I suppose Pillman did. I mean, Pillman always gives a hundred, hundred and ten percent. Really, um, you know, if you if you look at the life of Pillman, and and you look, you know, we we could probably do these. Um, episodes where we actually break down the life of of these guys. Like Pillman shouldn't have really ever been a wrestler. Um, he wasn't a massive guy. Um, he had physical problems. I swear he had like throat cancer as a child. Um, you know he had problems with his lungs and his breathing. Um, 
You know, this is a guy who played played the NFL as well. Yeah, played the NFL, you know. mashed up his ankle. At, you know, at one point his ankle had fused, so he couldn't um, he couldn't actually move the joint in his ankle. So it was fused in in one way, and he was still wrestling. One of my favourite Pillman matches of all time is actually uh, Pillman versus Goldust. In okay, we're going to nineteen ninety seven in yeah. WWF. Not long before he actually died, um, it was to do with Marlena and and all that yeah, kind of thing. Right. Um, absolutely great angle, you know, where they had Pillman wearing the dress, where they had whoever lost would have to wear the dress, and um, at the end of the match, you just had Pillman looking absolutely enraged with his crazy curly hair, but he had like gold dust, um, gold. Uh, face paint all over his face where gold dust had kissed him during the match and he was just absolutely enraged and he saw the because the next night on raw he had to wear the dress or whatever and he saw that they brought the dress down on the little dummy and that and at the end of the match he was like going crazy and like punching the the the, just phenomenal character he should never have really been a wrestler but he he just pillman just incredible yes (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, we waxed no, lyrical. Cool. No, we're, when, we're, when we love stuff, it's match, it's, it's uh, you it know, takes a, it takes an amazing DDT from Arn. Oh, mate, yeah, <laughs> just just phenomenal. Folds up like a, like a chair, doesn't he? It's brilliant. And but this is the this is the key in 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 wrestling. You 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 sell it to make the other person look good. So then when you beat them, you look better. Yeah. So it's like even if you know you're gonna win. Just crushing someone doesn't really do a lot, but what it does do, if if you're gonna, you build them up and then you take them down, and that's what the Hollywood Blondes were absolutely phenomenal from the moment they walked down the aisle, and you know they're giving it that, and they're you know even Stone Cold does it, Stone Cold, Stunning Steve, um, you know he 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 does a thing where he's like lying on his belly. He does a a, a brilliant move, and you've got Arn Anderson lying in the ring. He's lying on his belly, right in his face, just doing yeah, that. You know, it's just absolutely phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> I love I love him. I could talk all day about Austin, the Hollywood block. Austin goes over the top rope, no DQ, right? Yeah, but then you've got Jesse the Body saying no, he he didn't. He he sent himself over or something like that. He was he was trying I, to sell it like. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure why that they were making making it so difficult for fans to follow at this point. You know, if you're over the top, it should be done. Or you know, when did they fi- when did they phase that out? What's that? When did they phase that out? What year? It must have been <laughs> soon, like '94, '95. They phased it out. But I mean, this is this is WCW where in '92 they banned people, or '91, '92 they banned them from coming off the top rope. Yes, I remember. Yes, yes that's what right. Era, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, Roma, Paul Roma again. We've not really spoke about Paul Roma like today. We spoke about him last week. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Paul Roma. I thought he should have done more in the WWF. Again, he looks really good. He looks, he look, he's in good. He's in, you know, always in tip top, tip top condition. He's, you know, really good worker in the ring, and he does his job really well. And he, uh, he rolls up Austin. Hillman clotheslines Roma. Austin takes him takes him over the other way for a pin. It's again just four guys, four excellent workers, and 
there's not much more that we can say about how great this match was. No, the, uh, the fact that Austin as well, uh, even at one point, he 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 mocks them by laying someone out and then does some push-ups in in yeah. in the ring while it, while it, while the guys lying down. Look at the and you know you got Jess. Look at the condition of these guys. You know, look at Austin. You know, just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and one thing I did notice about Roma, he did this backslide pin with Austin, and he nearly broke his neck going down. Yeah, the arms were wrong. Yes, the arms it, were wrong. Had it, yeah, he had it the wrong way round. But we'll allow him. Yeah. It's fine. It's just little it's things that you notice, and I just write them on my notes, and I go, oh yeah. Um, so, and also, like you say, the the Pillman kissing Austin after he, you know, because if he goes to the referee, ah, oh, it was a closed fist, it was a closed fist, and then he's there inspecting his face, looking at his eye, and then he just gives him a kiss. It is absolute heel gold. Absolute gold. Have you seen any of Brian Pillman Jr.'s work? Um, I have not. Um, should I? I mean that's uh, that's a star in the making. Okay. For sure, he's you know he's really he he's picked he's picked it up. He's you know really good worker. I'm half expecting to see him on one of those two big shows. What yeah, was the, the story? Next, like, what was the story about P- Pillman's ex-wife or P- Pillman's P- Pillman's uh, son's uh, mum? Was there a story where, you know, they they broke up or something, or and she was trying to get loads of money or something? I swear there's a story there with something um, to do with with her. I'm not sure. Something, not something I've heard of, to be honest. Because she she um maybe she tried to sue WWF or something, or they had like a night where they had a night where it was like a a benefit night to raise money for the kid and basically she ended up taking the money and the kid didn't get anything. Something like that. Um, because she she starred in the angle... Uh, yeah, I, I, I swear it's something like that. Like She wasn't very nice. She was an alcoholic or a drinker or something and she was trying to get the money from the benefits or something and the son didn't see any of it. Because um, she was in that angle was like... The, the the gun in the house angle. Do you remember? Yeah. Was it Pillman's got a gun? Yeah, that's right. And he's uh, he drops an F bomb live on TV. Whose house was he going to? Stone Cold's. Uh, Stone Cold was coming to Pillman's house. That's right. That's right. I remember. I don't know any of the 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 story you just brought up about any sort of like you know spouses or anything like that there's there's some i swear there's some kind of backstory there look into it guys i will look into it as well uh and we will add more at a later date but i'm 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 pretty certain because i mean i know jordan about pillman i mean we should do a show about pillman he you know absolutely phenomenal but we myself and jordan we are both huge fans of shoot interviews uh we've listened to quite a few and it is a great insight into, you know, what's going behind the scenes because, you know, the dirt sheets and things like that in wrestling have been around for where for however long. Um, but the shoot interviews, you know, it's nice to 
piece things together and see, you know, stuff going on behind the scenes, really. 90% of the time it's genuine in a shoot interview. You yeah. know, it's not not just someone trying to, you know, trying to work everyone with their... And and all why, everyone's always got a different side to the same story because there's these certain stories that involve a few different people. Like, for example, um, the story of um, uh, the Colonel uh, Rob... Uh, what's his name? Um, Parker. The Colonel Rob Parker. He tells a story of the, the famous story of when the Nasty Boys apparently or one of the nasty boys because one of them was passed out um nearly killed ken shamrock um and was gonna throw him out of a hotel third third story window and then so you hear colonel rob parker there's a really there's a guy that's doing that's been doing shoot interviews for a little while but not for a long long time called hannibal in canada have you heard of the guy Uh, no He's he's done he's done quite a few shoot interviews with quite a few people. He's got a really good one with uh oh what's his name? The guy he was in TNA but he was in Ring of Honor for ages. Uh uh he, he's uh his name is like a star sign. Oh, what's it? Uh Oh blimey, oh, my memory's getting terrible. I'm only like thirty seven. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he's a like short guy though, and Cornette don't like him. That could be anyone. It could be anyone. It could be anyone. But anyway, he's got a really good. Let's be honest, Cornette probably hates us, and we probably he doesn't even know us yet. It's true. It's true. <laughs> um, yeah, he's got a really good interview with him. Um, and the name will come to me. Um, but that, but the Hannibal, yeah, he the Hannibal did one with um. Colonel uh, Robert Parker about that night and asked him, you know, what happened. But then he also had one with one of the nasty boys and saying his side of the story. And there's also one with Ken Shamrock um, where they ask him, you know, what happened. And the way Rob Parker says about, you know, oh, Shamrock's head, you know, he says his real name's Vinny, Vinny something. And he's like, yeah, you know, he, Vinny's head was, was like that. I've never seen a human man's head that big and he was going to die. His brain had swelled up or whatever. And it's just good. Shoot interviews are good to, you know, hear uh, the different sides of things that are going on. And I think there's a few um, good ones about Pillman, things that Pillman's done, people that were friendly with Pillman. I think um, Stone Cold Steve Austin said a few things on his podcast um about it so yeah because uh we'll have to we'll have to uh, find some of our best shoot interviews and put those out on an episode if that works for anyone if people like to hear about what we've got to say about billy that jack thing. hayes man billy <laughs> jack hayes dudes anyone watching this right now after you've watched this and after you've watched beach blast 93 because obviously you're going to want to watch beach blast 93 after you've listened to this um Please just go on go- on YouTube and just type in Billy Jack Hayes shoot interview. Please, it will you won't regret it. Um, he's you he's, really won't regret it. I promise you. Won't regret it. It is absolutely he 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 talks about so many different things that have gone on in wrestling and outside of wrestling as well. He's lived a life like you know. He says he used to sell drugs and he used to be a body guard for the Clintons. 
also this guy is is next level man like it is yeah let's be honest if you've bodyguarded for the clintons you know stuff you know stuff man you know in he he said he worked for him in arkansas and uh yeah well worth a watch but anyway i digress from uh <laughs> from, from get, that basically the Iron Man challenge for the vacant US title oh so hold on hold on so who won the match Austin and Pillman they did let's yeah, just recap yeah, that Austin and Pillman won the match um, it wasn't a bad finish I, I thought um, and they did the Healy thing as well as soon as they won they jumped straight out of the ring cuddling each other they were gone you know Hill Masterclass 101. Brian Pillman stunning Steve Austin. Iron Man Challenge. Vacant US title. Rick Rude, Dustin Rhodes. Yeah. They'd had a few uh, sets, a couple of matches beforehand. Rude had to vacate because he didn't participate at Starcade or something, or they had an injury. Rhodes won a tournament to win that vacant title. And then they battled to a draw later on on like a worldwide or a Saturday night or something. And it got to this point. Rude had already done an Ironman challenge the year before at Beach Blast 92 with Ricky Steamboat. And let me just stop you there, my friend, um, for which I have the VHS right here. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope Ted hasn't screwed you on this one. No, you know what? I'm starting to believe that he probably has because this is 123 minutes. Oh, boy. Um, just as well, this Beach Blast 92 has a, a great match, uh, Cactus Jack versus Sting. And I tell you what, I actually spoke with Mick Foley on Twitter about this very match, and he said it was one of his favourites because I shouted him out for the amount he basically gave his body to Sting on this pay-per-view. We will do this pay-per-view. Beach Blast 92. And yes, it has the Iron Man Challenge match, uh, Ricky Steamboat and Ravishing Rick Rude. So there we go. Yes. Rude and Rhodes. I mean, I for me, this is a slow starter. Like, I know they're going 30 minutes. It just, it, you know, it's a slow start and there's, you know, they, they started off with a few rest holds and stalling and stuff. And it's like, Oh, okay. Like I understand 30 minutes. You've got to pace it. You've got to you know, keep it going. Like keep everything at a level. One thing I noticed as well, Rude has his fans in the arena this night. You know, not everybody's behind roads. Like, no. yeah, they, they don't sweeten the sounds or anything like they would on a TV show. No. On a syndicated TV show or something mm. like that, like there are fans in the crowd for Root on this one. They're loud as well. Yeah. Well, uh, ten, what... ten minutes go by. Yeah. With no score, and I'm losing. I, I'm not enjoying it as much as I should. I, I'm. I'm the same. I, I. I said on my notes as well. Very slow start. Um. One. One thing that's. Uh, that, that was funny at the beginning of the match. You had Missy Hyatt talking to um, Eric Bischoff. And Eric Bischoff says, two men, 30 minutes, Iron Man match. Missy Hyatt, what, what are your thoughts? And she's like, she gives it the classic bimbo. Oh, two men, 30 minutes? That's like a dream. <laughs> oh, like, boy. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Could you be any more of a skank? 
Um, sorry, Missy Hyatt. We, we I'm, I'm sure you know. We've seen we you. Missy. You know, we, we, we've, we've seen you in the business. You know, for years and years, and we appreciate what you've done and that. You know, but it's just you've got to laugh. I had to laugh when I heard that. It was like because she was quite cardboard. I felt in this. Um, in this, she wasn't very yeah, uh, loose. We didn't give her a lot in this show. It was no. a few quips and a few bits. It was something to, I suppose, just fill a few extra seconds of time. She seemed quite nervous, I feel, in this. She looked quite okay. nervous, but yeah. I mean, we, we like Missy Hyatt. She makes us laugh, you know. The riot, Missy Hyatt. Big up yourself, love. Uh, Rude goes one up with a rude awakening. This move always gets me. Yep. It's always been a devastating move. Rude is, Rude is, at this point, you know, Rude is starting to work his ass off a bit in the match. Yeah. Pushing, like, pushing the pace, him and Rhodes are pushing, like, pushing on a little bit more. And yeah, Rude goes one up and you feel like the match is kicking on a bit. And then they go back to rest holds. Yeah. One one thing that disappointed me, dude, as well. So you've got they're starting to build it up a little bit. They're building it up a little bit. Um, Rick Rude hits the the Rude Awakening, gets the pinfall, um, goes up into the corner, uh, comes off the corner with like an elbow drop or or maybe just a punch to the forehead or whatever. They do a count, right? And it really annoys me when referees do this. It's like they don't trust the person to kick out or whatever. But they do a, they, a stalled... Like, they go, one, two, no! You know what I mean? And it's like the stalled two count. It annoys me. Stop yes, it. Yes, he picks up on this at one point. I can't remember which match it is. I think it might be this one where he goes, that was a slow count. And he says, yeah. I hope we've got the adjudicators watching this. He said, uh, what was it at one point? He said, oh, I think we've even got the some people watching this for that last count or something. The, the famous championship committee. That's the championship committee. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, um, Dustin, Dustin hits a bulldog. Um, you know, Rude ducks down for... Not any real reason. I think he's ducking punches. Yeah. And he ducks down way too early. Rhodes gets the bulldog, makes it 1 1. This is only three minutes to go. Three minutes. And you think these last three minutes could be, you know, really, really something. You know, we've seen it in other Iron Man matches where the last five, ten minutes have been extra special. They're really going all out. Doesn't really go that way. And it ends 1 1, and the fans crap all over it. It was it was a horrible it was a horrible finish. Um, just before that, so you, I've, there's a couple of great bits in in the match. Rude kicks out of a pile driver, right? The reverse um, tombstone. Uh The one where I think you talk about the tombstone. Yes, where they do the reversal. So the reversal, he, yeah, yeah, he he picks um the natural up to do one, and then he ends up going backwards, and then he tombstones him. Yeah, really and he, he kicks out of it. Um, and the body, Jesse the Body Ventura is talking to Tony Schiavone and he's like, Tony, Tony, don't ignore me, Tony. Uh, he says, uh, don't ignore me or I'll knuckle your head. Um, <laughs> just something that I picked up on was really funny. Um, and Ravishing Rick Rude snots 
on. Yeah, he does it a couple of times. He does it a couple of times. One when they're on the floor and he's got him in like a kind some kind of lying down headlock kind of thing. Um, and he kind of just goes like that, and some snot comes out. And then yeah. they're doing it while they're stand. He does it when they're standing up or running or something. And Jesse Ventura calls it the farmer's handkerchief. Yeah. Because he goes, he goes, yeah, they do that in the field um, when they haven't got a handkerchief. They just, you know. And I thought that was just really funny. I was cracking up when, uh, um, you know, it, it, it. I thought that was really great. But then, yeah, like you say, and then it goes on to the second pin, Rhodes with a bulldog. Um, Varishing Rick Rude as well. Incredible at selling. Um, um, Dustin Rhodes hits him with quite a heavy-looking elbow. And, and the way that Rude... You know, when, when he gets the elbow there and his legs just go up in the air, that sells that impact, you know, like it's just shivered through him. Just absolutely fantastic. Ravishing Rick Rude, uh, one of the top, top workers, you know. And another thing that was in this match that was just, no, you shouldn't have done it, was Ravishing Rick Rude obviously does his gyrations, his yeah. And then, but you had bloody Dustin Rhodes doing it as well. Like, you know, yeah, and it was just creepy, right. like this slightly it chubby guy. <laughs> wasn't great, was it? It wasn't good. Oh, and the finish. Yeah, the, fan, the fans crapped on the ending, rightly so. Yeah, they should have had a champion that night, you know, decisive finish. What were they trying to, what were they trying to build up then? So what, what would have I, happened? I honestly don't remember what happens next because I haven't watched ahead. You know, I should have really done that already, but again, we'll we'll leave it down to whoever wrote it. And yeah. at the end of the pay per view, you find out who wrote it. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> so we'll, we'll leave that as a surprise for everyone. Yeah. Um, next, we have NWA World Title Champion Barry Windham going in against Nature Boy. Yeah. Um. Something I noticed straight at the beginning, pretty early on, is that Barry's carrying a knee injury. Not in, not doing his best work. He's like you can see him grimacing every now and again when he's having to get up off the off the mat and stuff. And it something I looked up on later on um, after the match myself is this was the last time we see Barry Windham in the ring for a year. Really? Yeah. He would go and have double knee surgery. So that's obviously uh, why they took the strap off him. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of build-up to this match, and there was a lot of brawling between the two. Uh, yeah, on the, a clash of the champions, and I think uh, WCW Saturday Night again. Yeah. You know they uh, they seem to just explode like whenever they were in the same area, and that I mean it, it sold the match really well. Um, I've got here that it was quite methodical to start with. You know, and it might have been just a case of protecting Wyndham's knee. Yeah. Just, you know, taking things at a nice pace. <laughs> I don't know why I put this in my notes, but Ric Flair's hair, feathered and majestic. Oh, his hair was absolutely it, fantastic. It, You're it, correct. Yep. It was, you know, it was the bouffant. It was absolutely beautiful. It so was it was it was impressive, man. It was, it was like a plume of it, it was, was beautiful. 
it was before White Goodman ever, you know, graced our screens with his beautiful hairdo in dodgeball. It was it was Flair. It was um, Flair worked his ass off this match as well. Yeah. Um, he really did work his ass off this match. Um, I'm going to say this for anyone watching, anyone who decided to watch Beach Blast and all that. There is no easy way to take a chop. Let's we've both taken them. There's not, there's not an easy way to take those on no, the chest. No, they, they hurt. hurt. They hurt. You can, you can, you can split a man in two with a few good chops. You yeah. throw someone in the corner and you give them a few good chops across the chest, and you can really, you will cut someone open. You, you will. There's, there's no good way to take a chop. Um, and you know what? If I ever met Ric Flair. I would ask him to chop me. I would regret it the second his hand met my chest. But I would, I would, my heart would yeah. probably stop. But just to see Flair in front of me, chopping me and wooing is something that, um, it's the thing of dreams. Um, this looks to me as though it's, this is that Ric Flair was something to prove still. He's, you know, he's. He gets let go, or he asks to leave the WWF because Vince tells Rick that he's not going to be main eventing anymore. That's correct, in 92. And he was only in WWF for one WrestleMania, um, and and that was pretty much it. I don't even think he was in WWF for one year. Uh, he ends it on Raw with Mr. Perfect in January. And you know what's funny? WWF Hasbro released a Ric Flair figure, but they rushed to get it out so much that they actually used the Ravishing Rick Rude body. Yeah. Um, and, and it was a really poor quality figure. Neither, neither figure is actually that good. No, the Rick Rude figure is, is pants and the, the Ric Flair... I've got fans who know that. You know, they're not, it's not a great figure of Rick Rude. No. With all the options they could have picked, they picked those for Flair and Rude, and it's disappointing. It is. Know, I mean, Rick, Flair, Rick Rude's... Um, Figure has got quite a good move where you, he's got one arm like that and then the other one you can pull the other way so it's like holding him in a headlock and you can punch him in the head. Um, it's quite yeah. a good move, but the, the figure doesn't feel great. I've got it in my cabinet here. I would get it yeah. out, but I'd probably... Yeah, shout out to all the Hasbro and, collectors. You, you know. You um, know. And, and shout out to all the Galoob collectors as well. Yeah, we also... 100%, man, we collect... There's a, I'll tell you what, one, one show we will show off a few bits that we're very proud of in our collection. As you can see, I've got a few bits behind me. I love well, to collect sticker as books. Say, as you say this, my, uh, I've already messaged Chris about this today. This turned up in the post. It is a WCW annual, and I haven't read through it properly yet, but I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I've got it on an absolute steal on eBay for just under five quid. I Great mean, stuff. Great yeah, stuff. We we will do um we will do um a, a a podcast where we get out all of our bits and bobs and we show you a few of our prized possessions. I'll show you the cabinet, a few bits. Um, George's got some really lovely figures. Um, 
you know, so yeah, a shout out all the Hasbro collectors, all the Galoob collectors, all the Toy Biz collectors. I've got a load of Toy yeah, Biz. Toy Biz, um, The Flip and Grips from WCW. They're really innovative with their figures. You know, they had the Flip and Grips. They had the, the Beach Blast figures that could actually squirt water. They had loads of great stuff. Um, lovely. Um, we uh, we've gone off again, but we're talking about toys and stuff, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, Flair tries to pick up the pace in this match, yes, um, which is tough because it looks like Barry's knee is struggling, giving him the grief, um, and it looks like they rushed to finish this. It, I, it was a botched finish. It was a very disappointing finish because it what 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 happened was. Um, I I love I love Ric Flair. I think he's absolutely fantastic. Great talent, great worker, and he was once he started to want to go for that knee, he he started trying to work the knee and and Wyndham blocked the figure four a few times, but I just love it when Flair grabs the leg and sweeps the other leg and then hooks it and then does the turn, gets him into the figure four. Absolutely fantastic. It just felt like it was he was rushing to get it done. Yeah. And, and- yeah, it just it it looked a little bit messy, but you know the fans went nuts on the. It was a three count finish. Yeah, but the, the problem I had with it was Barry Windham was he he was in the figure four and he had his back on the canvas and he had his hands like this, yeah, and and he he, he was slightly he was lying back on the canvas with his hands in front and before it got to three he pulled his hands together and slightly lifted up. But the referee still the referee counted the three and said, right, no, that's it. And it was like I, I got a bit of a Montreal screw job kind of vibe to it. I don't know what it was. It was I like I a, haven't heard anything to say that that was. But Wyndham didn't seem to he, be that bothered. No, no. It, it, I, I think maybe he thought that he was going to kick out of it once and then go back and then he was going to get counted. Maybe. Yeah, maybe there was just a little miscalculation, but I mean, the end of the match comes, and to see Ric Flair there, your crowd went ape. Um, see Ric Flair there kissing the belt. The belt that we all associate Flair with. Because it was nine time before this. This was the tenth time. Yeah. Still got a few more runs in him here, haven't we? Oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, I put here the Wyndham's not seen again until Slamboree 94, which means he takes a big chunk of time off to try and get healthy and get a bit better. And afterwards, we have, I've just put here a generic Flair interview. It's Flair, he's shouting, he says he's back, he's this, that, yep. and the other. Styling and profiling. Yeah. Whether it's... you're a baby, whether you're an infant, whether you're an adolescent, he goes, it, it is a classic. Generic flair interview. Fantastic. This isn't a bad thing. No, no, loved it. But that's just what I've got in the notes is generic flair interview. He doesn't say anything that like, you know, strikes you as different no. or you know, it's just flair going wild. He's champion again. He's yeah. enjoying himself. He's going great guns. He feels like himself, clearly feels he's back on top of the mountain and you know, he's proving to himself that he can still still go and he's not as old as, you know, other people in the World Wrestling Federation might have suggested. Yeah. Um, that was a two fingers to Vinnie Mac. Quite possibly. 
because Jesse the Body Ventura had come directly from WWF, correct? Uh, he had a fair bit of time off, didn't Doing he? Doing movies yeah. and stuff, he did, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then he, he was playing the same kind of role on commentary that he was for WWF, yeah. yeah. I, I did put in the notes that I, they just didn't click him and Tony, like, not as well as Jesse and Gorilla, but, yeah. you know, Jesse, Jesse does good work. And I'm, so does Tony. I'm, I'm not a fan of Tony Schiavone, personally. Oh, okay. And I'll tell you for why. Not necessarily for what he does on the camera, but from what I know he does behind the camera or what he did do behind the camera. Because as we've said before in episode one, and it will come up in episode two and probably three, four, five, six ad nauseum, Heenan is God. Okay. So anything that comes out of that man's mouth is holy scripture. All right. So Bobby the Brain Heenan when he speaks of Tony Schiavone, we know that Schiavone wasn't too nice to Heenan. Um, and what he used to do, he used to hold information back. So if you imagine you're, 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 you know, you're all acting on EastEnders and someone tells you has a bit of the script that you don't have, you know, it's one of them things where it's to put you on the back foot and it's to make you look shit. And it's to make you not look as good. Where really they're supposed to be working as a team. You know, they're supposed to be all working together to make the product great, you know. And and what Shivani used to do was kind of get information and not tell them, you know, and then hold these things and drop them when it was live on the air and stuff like that. And Heenan has said about it a few times, you know, rest in peace, Heenan. Um, you know, so my, my personal view of Tony Shivani has been muddied and sullied due to um, the speakings of God. So Heenan has spoken and he told me the truth uh, of Tony Schiavone. So I've hold a, I hold a bit of a grudge with Tony Schiavone. I don't know what it is. I, you know, I, I actually liked, I mean, I speak badly of Mongo, but I actually don't mind the team of Mongo uh, Eric Bischoff and Bobby the Brain Heenan. I thought they were quite good on Nitro, really. Um, but Heenan brought that together. Bischoff has always been great, I think, on commentary. Uh, what What are your thoughts on the on the Eric Bischoff and whatnot? Bischoff on commentary didn't like you know he, he, he I didn't seem to have a problem with it or you know love it too much. I I don't enjoy. You know the the I didn't enjoy the Mongo Heenan Bischoff trio. It didn't seem to gel for me. Like I enjoyed more of the Shivani Tanay Zabisco slash Heenan run. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know they, you know those those three because they switched at uh, the, the top of an hour, didn't they? Like Zabisco and Heenan would switch, and it was it seemed to go a lot. Like seems to really flow. Like I don't have a problem with Tony Schiavone. I think he's, you know, he's done. He's done great stuff. He's been around. I actually like. um, I like a lot of the pay per views where you had Tony Schiavone, uh, the American Dream, Duff the Rules, and um, Bobby the Brain Heenan. I thought that was quite a nice little threesome there, Um, because you'd have, you'd have the American Dream 
just saying these crazy words and crazy sayings and stuff and you'd have them Bobby the Brain mocking him but then oftentimes you would get um, the American Dream saying yeah, you know Bobby Heenan as being you know one of the greatest managers in the world you know and he, he would he would he would give Heenan his props even though it was it was he was selling it that he didn't like him when that's, the time comes yeah he would get it he would get him over you know and I, I like I say there's a few um there's a few good pay-per-views where it was uh, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, Tony Schiavone, and uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan. I thought they worked really well together. Um, and there were some of them. There was the the War Games pay per views where they had the three rings, and you had oh, that, was, that was World War Three. World War Three, where you had a different commentary team on each oh, thing. So on one of them you had Mike Tanay and the American dream. And then you had Tony Schiavone and Heenan on, on another. And then you had another guy that was just a hype guy. He was like Chris, Chris something. He was hyped. Uh, he was in world war three. He was quite good. Um, but yeah, that was quite confusing. And you had Larry Zabisco. Yeah, it was Larry Zabisco and this other guy. And then you had, yeah, American dream and someone else. It, yeah, it was nuts, nuts. Main event time. Sorry. Master of the Powerbomb. Yes. Uh, just before this, Bischoff and Missy again, they steal about five seconds of our time, saying, and Missy predicts that Vader and Sid are going to win. Yeah. No reason. She just says that they're going to win. She says, um, I can't wait to see Vader and Sid do over Sting and Davy Boy. It's a word to that effect, if I remember yeah. correctly. Um, the first thing I noticed, Sid is Jack. He is absolutely huge in this. You know, I love Sid, man. You, yeah. I, I, I mean, we're fans of Sid. We, we, we like Sid, um, and he, he, he is money. You look at him; he's money. He's huge, and he's over like hell. He's, you know, this is this is one of the biggest main events that WCW put on for a little while. Like they, you know, until until Hogan turns up in 1994. This is the the most like the biggest bit of star power they've got, and it's a huge tag team match. It's really, you know, impressive like characters in the ring. And yeah, Sid Sid stands out at the beginning. Like, don't get me wrong, later on in the match, like there are other other standouts because I really enjoyed this. I thought it was quite a good match. Um, I I did. I felt a bit jipped. I don't know why. I love. I love Davy Boy Smith and I like Sting, but I really wanted to see Vader and Sid win this one. Um, it, it, well. Vader was the heavyweight champion at this time. Um, and it, I, I just like, I like Vader. He was just, oof, yeah. oof, oof, you know, giving I mean, it the... I like, I like the booking of it. You know, right. someone needed to be seen as a challenger for Vader in, in the next Clash of Champions or whatever it was. Yeah. So, you know, they needed a credible challenger and to get to the next one. And it was going to be Bulldog again after they had a match at Slambury. I think uh, it was a count out or a DQ. So they need to make sure that Bulldog looked like he could do something with Vader. Yeah. Um, the beginning of this match, Sid bumps like mad for Sting. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm confused as to, like, like Sid's massive. Like, but obviously he's getting Sting over and Sting's doing his stuff. And then 
Sid chokes Lamb Sting and the place goes nuts. Sid, yeah, but Sid doesn't just choke Lamb Sting, right? He does one it hand. literally. What you know? He does it one-handed, and he doesn't even support. He literally. I mean, Sting obviously has popped for him a bit, but it just looks absolute gold. It is just some of the bumps in this match are incredible. Like you're saying, Sid, he does his thing where he gets. He gets punched and he gets rocked into the ropes. And then he does the thing where he fails in the ropes, but he's sitting on the middle rope and leaned over the top. And he's like bouncing, waiting for someone to come and hit him again. So he can just great stuff. Great stuff. I just, yeah, I, you know, he's bumping like crazy for Sting and then he chokes Lampson and the place just loves it. Yeah. And it's a Sid, like, you know, again, missed opportunities. I mean, let's, let's not forget as well how ripped to shreds Davy Boy Smith is as well. Um, you know, when, when Sting and Davy Boy come out, I mean, Davy Boy Smith was never a really tall guy, I don't think, but he was just, he was just wide as anything, you know, yeah. just, and he looked a million dollars, man. He looked at absolute million dollars. He had the, the extensions, the French braids, you know, with the, the beads on the end, absolutely ripped golden legs absolutely massive costumes always on point just absolute looked a million bucks in this man yeah, yeah. um jesse calls vader a big gorilla and i yep i don't see where it was going like <laughs> he's a big gorilla like that's it okay cheers okay. yeah yeah anyway. um, the pop for the suplex when Davy Boy holds him up, holds yeah, Vader up. Vader, yeah. Brilliant. Like, again, it shows that it shows everything. It shows like the strength of Davy. It shows the shows the balance of Vader. Yeah. Like just, and this is something I put like with Vader. It, sometimes it looks so effortless. Yeah. With him, like I know people are obviously bumping for him and stuff, but some of these like one of the clotheslines he hits this thing is like. It just looks it looks like he's not even trying, and it looks incredible. He's I think Vader works really well in this match as well, yeah. uh, especially coming up to the finish of the match. Um, he I mean we'll we'll move on and but he hits this move that a big guy like Vader sh- shouldn't really be hitting, but it looks good, man, and he pulls it, it off. It's great. It's four. It's four guys who are all totally over with the fans totally believable like yeah. everyone loves them they love Sting but I've got that in there like they pop for if, if Sting was to sneeze in this match I'm sure they'd he'd get a, like a ton of cheers like and there was Vader chance as well yeah there was, was yeah that, like on, on the uh, who's the man the yeah, who's the man group, there's, a, there's definitely a larger group than normal just chanting Vader 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 and it's like I think they even the commentary even sells it. They he says there's a huge group of Vader fans because also Harley Race and Colonel Rob Parker came down with Sid yeah, and Vader. Harley Race gets involved, takes a couple bumps. Um, Hot still bumping, yeah. 1993 yeah. still taking bumps. I think it's it's good, it's man. It's, it's, uh, but yeah, even the commentary says, oh, there's a huge amount of Vader fans right behind where. Uh, Harley Race and that was right by ringside. Um, it was, um, you know, it was, it was a good match. It was yeah. um, there was a we, lot of good um, 
little sets going on. Um, and But there was one, can I say, there was one ridiculous thing that <laughs> just, I, I watched it and I laughed. And I'm sorry, Davy Boy Smith, but he gets hit with the Vader bomb. In the corner, all over the place, and he he? looks like he's being electric shocked. Where he's like lying on the, and he starts like jellyfishing it on the floor after the Vader bomb, and it's just, that was the only thing that I watched, and it wasn't very realistic. But other than that, this this actually brings you to the next bit, which is the moonsault. Vader, he's a massive man, yep, and he's moonsaulting with such, you know, it's, you know, it. It's never going to look like a gymnastics graceful backflip or anything, but he moonsaults and he lands on lands on Davy safely. And yeah, he does it a little bit sideways, doesn't he? That's all. He just yeah. he flips a little bit sideways rather than going straight back. He's kind of looking where he's going. But he's the geezer's he's four hundred pounds or whatever. You know what I mean? And he's busting a moonsault. You know, he did at least he didn't do a Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania sure. and yeah. land on his freaking head. Um, <laughs> you know, and then have to blimmin' do the rest of the match with a bloody nose and a broken neck, you know? It, yeah, a really good moonsault. You know, Sting flies into the ring to break up the pin. Yeah. And then it comes, it's a crucifix that wins the match. Yeah. Just a standard crucifix from Bulldog. Yeah. Manages to get Vader over, free count. Again, big, big win, which I think pushes Davey into a t- another title match. Uh, clash of the Champions, the next Clash. Yeah, we, you know it. It keeps it. It keeps their feud fresh for another go, and I see why they did it. They're not pushing Sting to, you know, main event Vader again for a little while. You know, with the I think the original plan was for Sid to take on Vader at Starcade in the yeah. at the end of the year, but him and Arn get into it with the stabbing with the scissors and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Over over here in the UK. Um, so they were obviously putting Sid and Vader together to break them up at some point um, for Sid to go, you know, as, as the main challenger. But yeah, Davey gets the win. It's, it, it doesn't completely end the show because there is something hilarious afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that we both caught the same thing, yeah? And it, it's it's funny as well, coming up to the end of it, uh, Jesse the Body Ventura says to Shivani, "Hey, I've just clicked. Why you've got your nose? Because he's mocking him constantly because he's got this orange suntan lotion on his nose through oh, the whole event. And he, he he turns around. He says, "Oh, I finally worked out why you've got this orange paint on your nose." He says, "It's because you're a fan of the Stinger, in it." And he says, "Well, maybe that might be." Um, you know, but yeah, get to the get to the light. It's funny that we both noticed this as well, and it's literally the final moments of the pay per view. It's great. It's, like Vader and Sid have lost. Vader's angry. He's scowling. He's charging around the ring, and he rolls up behind Jesse and Tony and takes a swipe at Tony for <laughs> some reason. Him. He hits him, and the look on Tony Schiavone's face is like he's just shit his pants. I'm not sure if Tony knew that was coming or not, but Vader just like takes a swipe at him with his giant bare paw. Just... It's so good. And Tony's standing there, Jesse's sitting there like with a grin on his face. <laughs> it's so good. 
And he's like, right. yeah, whatever you say. He's like, whatever you say. Shivani's like, yeah, whatever you say, man. You're the man. You're the man. Whatever you say. Because like Vader's just picking up chairs, throwing them. But like you say, with that giant paw, you just see him just crack him on the back. Oh, it's phenomenal stuff. Good stuff. And that's, I mean, that's how they end it. That's how they end the show with Vader taking a swipe at a commentator who probably didn't deserve it. No, he didn't, but we enjoyed it. Feel 101. Yeah, it was was great. Um, Good end to it. Do you get the credits on the VHS? Yeah, you get the credits. Ah, so we get to tell everyone who wrote this stuff. Senior producer Virgil Runnels, the American dream, baby. The American dream, that's the road. Um, I just love the whole thing of they called Virgil. So the guy who was... Um, the Million Dollar Man's valet, Virgil, who everyone knows as Virgil, was named Virgil as a rib named after Dusty Rhodes, whose real name is Virgil. So then he comes into WCW, and then Jordan, what do they call him when he comes into WCW? Hilariously enough, they call him Vincent. They call him Vincent as a rib after Vincent K. McMahon. So every time I hear the name Virgil... Uh, you know, I always think of Dusty Rhodes or whatever, but yes. Did you ever it, hear the incredible was... story of how Vincent or Virgil or whatever you want to call him snaked his way into the job at WCW? Uh, r- r- roughly, yeah. Go on, go. go. Please, well, please enlighten job, people. Job and the money, the good money, was offered to Charles Wright, who was Papa Shango, Godfather, you know, you know, one of the he was a karma, karma. He was yep. the enforcer in the nation. Yeah. Offered him a lot of my good amount of money. Like he won't obviously you can never guess the number, but I can imagine it was in the millions per year. And they said you're gonna come and join the NWO, you're gonna be the the enforcer, you're gonna be the big yeah, the big guy that just does runs interference and stuff. And he's like, Yeah, cool, when do I start? Someone passes this info to the artist known as Virgil Vincent and he says well I'll do it for way less than that wow <laughs> Eric Bischoff says yeah sure why not wow undercuts him and takes millions of, of dollars out of Charles Wright's pocket that's crazy it, it's funny you know who actually was paid a phenomenal amount of money um, in WCW no. Tank Abbott Tank, yeah, Tank was paid a lot of money. He was um, paid more than Sting at one point. What well, this guy that I was talking about, Hannibal, yeah, Austin Aries was the guy that I was thinking of oh, before. Aries, so yeah. the Hannibal had a really good interview with Austin Aries, a recent one, because he left WWF or whatever in certain circumstances, and it's a really good interview going into you know what happened and this that and the other. But what the Hannibal did, he managed to obtain. The, the pay sheet from WCW uh, around, you know, I don't know. It? Yeah, 99 or 2000 or whatever. So he's managed to be able to get that. And he even, he, he, he had a shoot interview. He's had a couple with Tank Abbott. Um, and he said to him, look, you know, at one point you were paid more than Sting. And, um, you know, it that's it, incredible the amount of money, you know, that was... I mean, WCW had a real habit of paying a lot of money for people to not do any work. And that included 
you know, Lanny Poffo, uh, the guy, uh, the the artist formerly known as Nails. They brought him in for what two shows? Yeah, yeah. They paid him a lot of money, you know, to sit at home. Same with Lanny. Lanny got a lot of money to not work. The and genius. It, yeah, the genius. <laughs> they could have stuck him on to do a few poems. Yeah. Give you know, a clipboard. It's just, it's just it's, how much money they flush down the toilet is just. I mean, that will that will come in our no doubt our podcast, which you know goes over the death of the whole company. But even around this time, I mean, Nails does his one appearance as the prisoner in the pay per view before. It's at Slamboree. He goes up against Sting, and you never see him again. But they paid him for years. Yeah, it's 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 baffling. But it wasn't it wasn't any it was only Ted's money, you know. Nobody millionaire Ted. It, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't Eric's money. It wasn't, you know, and he could he had an he had an open checkbook. It it worked for him. It's uh. Yeah, which I mean brings me to one of the points in, in the credits, you know, executive producer Eric Bischoff. So he's, I think he's only recently got this job at this point because Bill Watts and you know Kip Bryan, mm-hmm. who's the other, who's the one that nobody liked, Jim Hurd, yeah. had all had a go at it. And, yeah, yeah. You know, it all fallen apart for him at one point or another. I mean, you know, shout out to Jim Hurd for coming up with the Hunchbacks. You know, they couldn't get pinned apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, I mean, oh, you gotta he, love wrestling. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why we like it. Like, you always get a great story like that. Um, yeah, Eric Bischoff is running the whole thing at this point, and you know he gets his he gets his slice of gold dust when he finally gets Hogan the next year. But it's, I mean, he's there to cut cut costs, and it's I mean, it's not working yet clearly because they're still spending a lot of money on some. On some talent, but it's not a bad show. Not not a bad show. You got to remember this is nineteen ninety three. You know, you got to remember this is nineteen ninety three. I mean, to be honest, I think at this time WWF was clearly had a, a lot more going for it. I think, but um, you know, WWF had had lost a few guys. That you would that you see in WCW around this time, because you had, I think Sid obviously left the WWF after they killed a feud that he was supposed to have with Hogan. Yeah, he the, the WrestleMania eight. Uh, he was he was gone not long after that, I think. Well, because he does it. He he does an interview, another shoot interview, where he says, "Look, you know." That they didn't like the fact that Sid was more over than Hogan. Hogan didn't like it, and he reckons Hogan killed it. He reckons Hogan said to Vince, "You know, can't do this and that." And obviously, the crowd they couldn't they couldn't make the crowd dislike Sid over Hogan. You know, and you was hearing you know Sid chants over you know, and they 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 killed it. Videos and that like after the Royal Rumble when Sid eliminates or helps eliminate Hogan. Yeah. Like, you know, they try and, you know, drown out the cheers and stuff for Sid and for Flair. And it's, mm. yeah, it's, uh, Sid, Sid is money. I mean, the other one, Rick Rude, if, if he was in the WWF in 1993, he's probably, you know, he's probably the champion. You know, yeah. 
I mean, I know what they do. They do what they do with Yoko at this time. But Rude is Rude always was money. Oh yeah, he's he's gold. Great great worker. Great charisma. He's money wherever he goes. You know. And yeah, that brings us that brings us to the end of Beach Blast. I mean, it's uh, it's a lot of fun, and you know, I I definitely enjoyed watching it. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a transition period because if you look at the WCW from 1990-91 and then you look at it in 1993 and then you look at it in 1996-97, you can see the transition of how they got from old school 1990s, you know, late 80s, early 90s, and they're kind of trying transitioning it through, changing the talent up a little bit, making it a bit less cheesy, a little bit more kind of realistic. Um, I think you know, the word it, it, is a lot less southern, yeah, yeah, like you know, you, you, people like Bobby Eaton and you know, the Freebirds and all that are all phased out around this time. Well, Bo- Bobby Eaton comes back with um, with Stephen Regal though, don't he? Lord Robert, or whatever they yeah. called him. Lord, um, Lord Eaton, or whatever. The question I think that's on my mind, especially, and probably on anyone else's, is did you watch Money in the Bank? I haven't yet. I shall watch it, though. Okay. I, um, and, but the thing is, though, I do know who... who Because, what, there's a women's one, isn't it, as well? There was. They run at the same time. The men and the women's run at the same time. It's right, okay. So but, I'm a fan of the person. I'm a fan of the person who won the women's one. A huge fan. I think she's money. I think she's absolutely fantastic. Um, and she's done a lot of things that a lot of people haven't done as well. A lot of women haven't done. She, if you look at actually her achievements, um, I don't really. Should we, we don't do spoilers, should we? Or um, I can't imagine that there's anyone out there that wouldn't have known the, the results by now. Okay, well, go for it. Go on, tell them. Oscar wins the women's money in the bank. She only last night, what's today, Tuesday? Yeah, so last night on Raw, um, she is handed the women's title as well. She's she's gold, absolute gold. Really, really like her. Um. We also shout out to Becky and Seth. Congratulations. Yep. Um, congratulations on one part. Good luck on the other part because, you know, we both have kids and we both know how it can be. Yeah. And and, and, and we, us and our partners are not professional wrestlers. So uh, I, I can imagine it will be extremely uh, difficult at times. So, uh, yeah, congratulations and good luck to those guys. Um, I'm going to shout out John Pollock from Post Wrestling for the tweet that said, uh, good luck to uh, Seth Rollins when he finds out who the Wiggles are. <laughs> yeah, I saw that, yeah. yeah I know dude. who they are and yeah. it help me. Yeah. It, it, it's a slog whenever they're on my TV. To be honest, my, my, my boy, because he's like nine now, he rarely watches it, only when he goes round to me mum's. Uh, and then she's like, oh, should we stick the wiggles on? And he's like, yeah, yeah, go on then. They've still got, you know, they've got a song called Do the Propeller. And I thought that was when a man got his junk out and started swinging it around. But uh, <laughs> am I wrong? I mean, it's a kid's show, so no, but it would have made better TV. <laughs> 
Oh, dude. It's funny, actually, because two of the Wiggles are married to each other. Did you know that? They're not anymore. That's something I found as well. Oh, really? Oh, Lockie yeah. and the Gingerbird are married, but they're not married no more. Yeah, that's right. All oh, right. I mean, it's a weird way to end a wrestling podcast. Talking about the Wiggles. Yeah. All right, well, let's not. Let's talk about the Twitter um, chat grapple pops. Get us on there. Obviously, we're on YouTube at the moment and uh, chat grapple chat grapple and cheap pops podcast. I was told by someone to do the like and subscribe bit. I'm still not comfortable with doing that. So I I'll... I will happily do that. Like and subscribe to this channel. Uh, you can see the little bell just down there or just down there. Uh, it will be a little bell. So just ding that and then ding it again, and you will be able to get all these updates and all that. Because we're just starting off. This is number two. Um, Please watch our other video, which was the original Survivor Series from 1987. Uh, we did that last week. This one, obviously, Beach Blast 93, Episode 2. We don't know what we're going to do next, do we, George? We we have no uh, we idea. We haven't even spoken about Episode 3 yet. I'm sure it'll be something fun and something nostalgic, as usual. 100%. But, no, if, if any, like, I mean, like I said, we're not exactly you know, rolling in it with fans and subscribers yet, but if anyone does have any ideas watching this, what you want us to, you know, review or watch again, yeah, make it good, please, make it good. Yeah, make it good. Uh, I have no plans in watching, you know, the some of those dire wrestling shows that have been on during the years. What was that one with uh, where Jake the Snake cuts that promo about 21 and 22? Oh. Yeah, yeah. that one. Yeah. Heroes of Wrestling or whatever it was. Heroes of Wrestling, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, maybe we should review like a really bad show because there, there's been a few of those. That, that Heroes yeah, of Wrestling was one it. of them, weren't it? It was like a real bad flop, you know. It had lots of things go wrong and, you know, lots of non-wrestling people involved. And, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we could, we could watch some terrible ones, but... We'd need a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, I think let's get us into the swing of things. So me and Jordan, we thank everybody for watching, for listening. We try and make it as, as uh, entertaining as we possibly can. And we do go off on tangents, which I think is a good thing. I think if you stick too stringently to, you know, breaking down all the matches, because we don't want you to not want to watch this pay-per-view afterwards you know we're having a chat about it and we've highlighted a few things but we hope that that makes you want to go you know what i want to watch this now because i want to see vader's moonsault i want to see um ravishing rick rude give a, a farmer's handkerchief to uh dustin Rhodes. you know i want i want to see these things so this is why we we give you an overview but we do veer off and we talk about this that and the other and bits and bobs outside of the event but yeah have you enjoyed it jordan i thought it was quite good another good had one a lot of fun again um i'll remind everyone go and watch some brian pillman yes do it what if anything please watch this tag team match from beach blast 93 please watch it the it is a hill 101 and that is what i'll leave it on that was my favorite match of of this pay-per-view anyway and yeah team. that'll be it i'll say thank you very much for watching and you know, thank you for anyone that subscribed or following, and we will hopefully see you next week. Yep, take it easy. That's bye from me, bye from him, and uh, we'll catch you on the other side.